does that is by making you a people of the word. So what I mean by that is um, we um, are going to, in life, have to decide if we're willing to uh, have an encounter with and a ministry with the living word of God because that is what happens in this uh, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 4 um, of the word of God. And uh, we see um, God, uh, a, a woman, and it's a very familiar story, but this woman has an encounter with the living word of God. The word of God comes to life for her in this story. And um, actually, the next chapter, when if you're looking at it, the, the title of it, um, it starts with the healing at the pool there where a man is healed. And then it talks about having life through the Son, through Jesus Christ. And so as you read these two chapters, four and five, you're going to see something distinctive that God is trying to do here. And he's trying to um, uh, build something here and explain something to us here. And so I want to read a few words from the Word of God. And... Uh, and, um, and I want to read a few familiar scriptures um, as this woman that we know has an encounter with and a ministry with the living word of God. And I'm going to just focus on one verse tonight that I'm going to read first off and then we'll go to some others down the road. Um, but tonight, uh, the word of God says this this. And John chapter 4, verse 41. And because of his words, many more became believers. Let's pray tonight. Lord, Father God, we need your hand tonight. We need a supernatural outpouring of your Holy Spirit. And we need you to help us to be godly men and women. And to receive your word, Lord, Father God, and respond to the gospel. Father God, I ask you to impart your Holy Spirit here tonight and fill us afresh and anew, Father God. This, this group, this gathering of believers, Lord Father God, I ask you to just pour out your anointing so that we can hear your voice and so that your word will become alive to us tonight and we will leave with it in our hearts, helping us to be born again and living for you. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. See, it's possible uh, to lose sight of the original objective of what is contended for in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The distinctive um, that sets us apart is crucial to your ministry, it's crucial to uh, your, the culture of a church. It's crucial to the maturity of a, of a saint. What we contend and what we stand for is, 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 is essentially being people of the Word of God. I heard a man say, and, and many of you have heard this phrase, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything. And this is so true. So very true. And as Christians, and as a fellowship 
the fellowship that we are, we stand for certain things. Uh, and the problem that many people have is that they have a hard time making this or having this become part of their lives. Because this must become part of your life, the Word of God. That in the midst of, uh, of uh, and despite of opposition to us, the gospel will go forth. See, churches and, and doctrines and even believers, they come and go. They come and go. But the basics of the gospel, the fundamentals of what our ministry should be and the resulting blessing and future confidence in God, they all start and stay with the basics. They really do. Personal belief. Personal belief in this. The Word of God. See, we're entering a time when you're going to find, and I, I truly believe I've already seen this, many people are, they're tired of the fluff that is set forth as the gospel. They're tired of people telling them about how, you know, God can make their life better. Or God can do this, or God can do that. They're tired of that. And <clears throat> it's important that we realize that if we're going to be a real powerful body of Christ, we need to be a little tired of the fluff. You know, I want to just focus on a few things because it's important that you never forget the basics. And you never depart from the foundations or remove what Pastor Philby liked to call the landmarks. Though, you know, I, there's an element of flexibility and I, and I don't abide by just being rigid on everything. Um, you know, lest we sort of just blend into the religious landscape of America. The point is that if you don't have the basics, you will eventually lose your power and uh, your impact and your effect. And the gospel will lose the power and the impact and the effect. And I can't tell you how many times I've watched people slowly depart from the word of God and watch the element of God in their life slowly lose power, lose impact, and lose effect. And while there's always that opportunity to run back to the Lord and run back to His Word, you know, you get to a certain point where that can become tiring in itself. And it's just, you know, the same old, same old. See, what I want to talk about is how you can bring distinction to your life. And we as a people can bring distinction to this church. And in your ministry, you can have a distinction. And it comes by being a people of the Word of God. One of the things that you must understand, and this is fundamental, so if you're writing notes, write this down. You must believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. That it's a divine self-revelation of God. That it's His nature, that it's His character, that it's His purpose, that it's His will, 
That is his plan. This has to be paramount. And it has to come from above. The second you start entertaining anything else, you're going to lose the power. See, the ministry that we believe in, and this ministry is built on and will stand on and will answer only to the Word of God. And that's why I preach the Word of God. Um, and that's why I preach the Word of God in such a way that it applies to your life. It applies to your morals. It applies to your family. It applies to your job. It applies to your money. Because that will set you apart. If this is the barometer that you use, you will be set apart. James 1, verse 18 says, Of his own will be God he us with the word of truth. And then verse 21 says, And receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Isn't that amazing? The word of God can save your soul. The word of this. This is why it amazes me that people don't want to use the word of God. They don't know how to apply it. Because, you know, what are you trying to do? I mean, personally, when I go tell someone about Jesus, I'm trying to save their soul. That's what I'm doing. When I go to work and I talk to somebody about God, I'm trying to save their soul. Many of you, this is a family church, many of you know my interaction with my brother and with Brandon. Some of you who have been around a while, you know my interaction with Clarence and with my wife. With young Isaac here. He's even shared it right up here. And there's this common denominator. You know, we have nice conversations. I tell them I love them, so on and so forth. We have dinner together. We, uh, we go fool around. We, we joke around. But eventually, when it comes to the things of God, I've taken each and every one of them and I've said, hey, here's the deal. We need to be saved. We need God to save us and change us. Make us different from who we were. No matter who you are, that has to happen to you. This is one of the cruel tricks of, of organized religion. Is that they think that just because they're a part of a group, that somehow they're going to qualify for something. I know what they're going to qualify. They're going to qualify for the booby prize. That's what they're going to qualify for. That's when there's two curtains there. And you think, oh, I'm going to pick that curtain. And then you open up, and it's a, it's a guy in a girl's dress riding a bicycle. And that's what you want. <laughs> that's what the movie prize is. Just in case you're not old enough to know that term. 
See, there, there's three things in life about the Word of God that we need to build our lives upon. And I, I want to just talk, there's more than that, but the, these three things are essential. These are the things that are going to change you. And if you're not doing these three things, I want you to just grab it with your heart, say, this is the Word of God, begin to apply it, and God will begin to help you. I promise you. Because this is what changed my life, believe it or not. It was the Word of God. It's the Word that changes lives. The first thing is that the Word of God, the Word of God needs to be built upon the fact that it is a platform for teaching and evangelism. Okay? Teaching and evangelism. This is the cruel trick of our schools. Our schools are there to educate us. But they slowly have pulled out the word of God. It wasn't like that, kids. You used to learn about Moses in school. You used to learn about the Ten Commandments in school. You used to learn about the Quakers in school. You used to learn about moves of God in school. You used to learn about how countries were formed based on, on uh, Christian uh, philosophies in school. That's no longer the case. And if you want your life to change, you need to use the Word of God as a platform for teaching you and evangelizing. That means teaching others. Telling others. That's what evangelism is. Evangelism is like, instead of working for the newspaper or for Facebook, you work for God. See, the Word of God is something that needs to be declared with anointing. Because when it's declared and you have the anointing, that means you have the Word of God behind you. Some people go, well, how do I get to, do I have to buy a special oil from the store or something? No. You don't need a special oil. What you need to do is you need to use the Word of God. That's why when I began to evangelize, I memorized a few verses, like real simple ones. You know? Like, for instance, in chapter 3 of the book of John, it says, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God without being born again. This is a very useful verse. Because it makes people go, huh? What does that mean? And then you can go, well, you know how you were born when your mom born you? When you were born and you were a baby and you were, when you were a little baby. You know how you were born like that? Well, you have to be born spiritually by the Holy Spirit the same way. That means that you have to pray a prayer of repentance and confession that actually makes you feel like you're a new creation. Whoa, really? Yeah, that really had to happen. Do you know if you can explain that simply to somebody just like that? If their heart is open and they want to have something new, then they'll receive it. 
And all of a sudden, people will be like, man, you're anointed. And you'll be like, what are you talking about? You'll be like, no, man, people don't bring in people to church like you do. That's how it's done. You know, so many people are like, you know, they want to have, you know, they want to know everything about God. Hey, I, I mean, I, I used to tell guys, I don't know everything about God. I just know that you have to be born again. It cuts away all the, the nonsense. People, I remember Brandon, he, he'd ask me, hey, well, how do I know, you know, what, what book should I read? Read the book, I'd say, read, I should read the book of John, Brandon. And if it says I tell you the truth, that means it's really important. Listen to that. Because the word of God is powerful. It, it, it's miraculous. It transforms things. I mean, to this day, I still get blown away at how powerful and just alive it is in itself. I just say the words of God, and all of a sudden, people are weeping. Because you, your, your character and your morals and your lifestyle, it 
by the word of God. But you gotta read it. You gotta read it. It's important. It changes men's lives. And that's what glorifies God. Change lives. That's what this story is about. The woman at the well. The woman at the well is the second example of what the word of God um, is built on. It's built on the power of the Lord. See, this woman at the well, she's awesome. She's like my favorite character in the whole Bible. If any of you have been here a while, you know I've preached on her many times. And I, and I, find, I try to find new ways. Sometimes I just go to the book of the Bibles, and I go, I know I've preached that seven times. God, give me another way to preach it. And he does. He helps me. My wife used to say it in a nice way. It wasn't always, she didn't always mean it in a nice way, but she'd say, you don't see things the way other people see things. And I say, thank God, I gotta preach this for the rest of my life. I hope I don't. I hope I can still continue to see it new and fresh and alive every time I read it. But the woman at the well, she's one of my favorite characters because she's my kind of woman. She's a real lady, you know what I mean? She's the real deal. She'll like, you know, she'll come at you if you say something stupid to her. You know what I mean? Do you know any, any of you guys know what I'm talking about? Or is that just, just me? Am I hitting too close to home, ladies? But this is true. You know, this guy, he walks up to her, this guy, Jesus, and he says some things, doesn't he? Jesus had some words for the woman at the well. And his words uncover this woman's needs. That's what the word of God does. Like many people, she is uh, into cover-up. You know, she wants to cover things up, though there's an obvious need. I remember first time I hugged the girl and half her face was left on my shoulder. You know? I was like, I guess if she does anything wrong, I can use this jacket in court. But you know, that's the human nature self-defense mechanism. Let's cover things up. We're like dogs like that. You ever met a dog that likes to cover things up? One of my favorite kind of dogs. I love those dogs. They just, they look at you. They're waiting for you to look away. They look back. They drop it down, they look at you. Right? All the while looking right at you. You know? They stop when you look over, you know what I mean? I ain't covering up anything, right? And it's funny because, you know, we, you know, Jesus and God, the word of God is like that towards you. It really is. It, it, you know, the dog is so dumb, right? He's leaving a big mound that he's, what he's covering up. He's leaving a big old mound of stuff, right? He's so dumb. Like, no one's going to find that, you know? And that's how we are with God. That's how this woman was. 
You know, she thinks she's real sharp. She thinks she's going to say some things. You know, now she could have been different. Honestly, she could have been different. She had many different options. But she chose to, you know, look at this guy, Jesus, and, and talk back to him. You know, give him some snack. And Jesus had no problem with that. He was like, I have words for that. I can deal with this issue of your heart. You know, sometimes we get way too caught up with the fact that we feel exposed or we feel intimidated. We get way too caught up with that. When in reality, we should just have a revealing attitude. Have the attitude of recognition, of need. To must, you must proceed that way. You know, I'll tell you something. We're, you know, having an attitude of revealing and recognition, that, that must lead into, or that must come before any kind of healing or salvation will occur in your life. That's why oftentimes we see the greatest uh, moments of healing and salvation when people are at their lowest because they're exposed finally. Their hearts are exposed. And so now they can be dealt with by God. And this is always the case. See, because it has to strip away the defenses. That's what the Word of God will do. Too many people, they're way too content with rationalizations or comparisons. You know? But the Word of God goes way beyond that. It goes way beyond that. Hebrews 4.12 said these words, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What does that mean? It means that it has a divine activity which produces active results in people's lives. I can tell you right now, if you're not changing the way that you act, then the Word of God is being fended off by your flesh. And you need to let it penetrate to the very core of your being. And if you are witnessing to people, you have to use the Word of God to do that. Because the Word of God is able to judge thoughts and feelings. It's able to judge the reasonings of people's love. There's many, many times where I've had a talk with somebody and the results were not that great. But down the road, God, he does the work for me. I can remember times where I just spoke the word of God. I just said, hey, man. And that's what you have to learn to do, not only for yourself, but for others. Don't get so caught up in, you know, how, how much of a jerk whoever is. You know? My wife, I've told you guys many times, she'd say, you're a real jerk. I'd say, you're arguing with the wrong guy. God's got to change. 
God's got to help me figure this out. I want to. But God's got to do it. You know? That's not going to have the big impact. I mean, that's not, that's not the thing that gave her, you know, the big revelation. What gave her, you know, what helped her was when she would say things from the Word of God. That, that has an impact. Verse 13 goes on to say, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. This is a great, great scripture because it's not easy to understand. Which I like because it makes you have to study it. There's this thing called... Um, uh, a commentary and um, if you read the commentaries they'll tell you word origins and they'll tell you what some of these scriptures mean in a more in-depth way what they're referring to because there are a lot of things that we don't really understand you know the this is referring to for instance okay um, the bending of the throat so as to expose the neck for slaughter or it's referring to the criminal that stood before the people with a point of knife under his throat like this. Did you ever wonder in those movies why they put the throat under the guy's knife like Why they do that? Do you know why they do that? Well, that doesn't allow him to bow and shame, does it? Doesn't allow him to hide his face, does it? Doesn't allow him to turn away, does it? And that's exactly what they're doing in those movies. They're telling him what he did wrong. And they don't want him to turn away from it. And this is what the Word of God does. It doesn't let you escape sometimes. That's why some of you are like, when service over, when can I escape? It's like escape from Alcatraz in this church sometimes. The truth is, the door is open. It might hurt my feelings a little bit, but it's the word of God that's putting the knife to you, bro. It's not me. And you have to learn it. And how do you learn it? You learn it from the word of God. Not only reveals your need, but it also is able to meet those needs, guys. See, the woman at the well, she had a need. She didn't even know it. And, and he was there to meet that need. You know, she started off with, give me this, you know, give me the water. Give me this water. But you can't let the gospel presentation stop at that point. You can't let the word of God stop at that point. I feel bad. That's what she was saying. I feel bad. And he didn't let her stop. Because the third thing the Word of God does is it demands repentance. It always requires a response. It's insufficient to respond to Jesus basis, uh, you know, on, on the basis of a need and a promise to meet that need. That's not enough. That alone will not answer your problems. And so many people are like, I want to meet Jesus. I want him to meet this need, but then they stop there. And God is saying, you can't stop. 
Jesus confronted those who followed for what they could get. Didn't he? That was one of his favorite things to do. Jesus, verse John chapter 2, verse 23, says, When he was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. Should I read that again? These people believed in him because they saw miracles and they liked the miracles. They liked him. They're like, whoa! This is the same as the person who has a powerful experience with God. They come to a church service. God flows in this church service because we preach the word. The word comes down. The Holy Spirit is good. It's love. It's kindness. It's meekness. It's humility. It's caring. It comes down. It floods over that person. That person's like, yeah, I like that. But Jesus doesn't commit to that. Because he knows men. He did not commit himself unto them. Because his job is to change us. To make us acceptable to the Father. Jesus has to do that in our lives. He's trying to do that in all of our lives. Jesus doesn't entrust himself, for instance, to our fellowship. He's not like sitting up in heaven, looking down and going, you know what, I'm going to die with that fellowship. Whatever Pastor Mitchell decides. No. He is not. He's not sitting up there going, you know what, I like those Hopis. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick it out with the Hopis. Nope. Not doing that, guys. I'm sorry. I mean, maybe if you had like all came in with Cruz Azul shirts or something cool like that, he might be fired up, you know? That's not how it works. See, it's something that what he wants to do is he wants to see a response. He wants to show you something and have something happen in your heart that will produce a response. The story of the Samaritan woman is a beautiful illustration of this. Because her first response is really bad, isn't it? Her first response is really, really bad. And so he goes, okay, go call your husband, that will take care of your needs. Ouch. That's like when God, you know, you come to God and you're like, God, you need to help me. You need to help me. And he's like, all right, um, all right, why don't you go get all the people that you hurt and bring them to me, and then I'll help you. And you're like, really? Yeah, really. See, God still requires something. He demands repentance. That's the real issue of our heart, isn't it? It's too often the attitude of many is, uh, you know, condemnation. But God is not trying to condemn you here. He's trying to show you your responsibility, our responsibility, to a lifestyle that reflects change and repentance. This will affect, and, and you know, this is the most exciting thing for me personally on a personal level. I don't get excited about people who act perfect in front of me. 
I don't get excited about people who, you know, act like they got it all together. You know, that's not what gets me excited. What gets me excited is when I see someone who starts to grasp that their lifestyle has to reflect a change. When they start to say things like, you know, um, this might affect my popularity, Pastor, but this is um, something God's been dealing with me about. Or, you know, Pastor, um, I know that, you know, church attendance hasn't been great this month, but you, you know, what you've been preaching, what you've been preaching has been helping my heart. You know? Because the gospel can't be preached without repentance. It can't be repeat, repeat, uh, preached without like a reality in our hearts changing. You know, to me, the most precious gift that God has given apart from grace and the fact that he'll actually dwell with us, the Holy Ghost dwelling with us, is his word. The fact that I can just read this and I can know what's right and what's wrong. With me or with everybody else. The fact that I can just read this and say, God, I, I want to be more like her. I want to be more like her. I want, I want to go out into the city like she did after she got saved. After he revealed himself to her. See, it's tragic how little we read the word of God and then, and then apply it. Because I want to tell you, there is a great danger of unbelief out there. See, you can plainly read the word of God and you can go, um, yeah, you know, that's the truth. And I see it as a revelation for some people, but it's not going to work in this situation. It's not going to work in my current circumstances, right? You can get familiar with it sometimes, too. You just It's just there. You get associated with it. And all of a sudden, you're just sort of uh, what we call, uh, in, 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 the, in the politicians call it appropriation. I'll just appropriate a little bit over there, and I'll put a little bit over there, and I'll sprinkle a little word of God over here. But you don't submerge yourself in it. And all of a sudden, you become deceived because you're not fully covered. I want to tell you, when you feel that way, it's not a good feeling. And it's crucial right now that in this hour, we, we, we focus on this because, you know, the Bible says that men are going to have itching ears. That's us. That's us here. We, we're going to want to hear certain things. You know, we're going to give our heads to seducing spirits. That's now. That's, that's right now. People are going to do that. I close with this simple, simple thought. One of the most impressive illustrations that I ever came across. And there was a female version of this with a friend. And this is the one I remember, a, a, a vision of a man in hell. He's walking around hell. And he's just opening every door. He's lifting every 
every crevice. He's, he's going into every cave and every dark place. Searching and searching and searching in hell. Finally confronted with demons asking him, who are you looking for? He simply looks up at them and says, the preacher who lied to me. You know, I'm able to live with a lot of reactions during the church service, but not that one. I don't ever want to live with that one. Sin in your life. Repent. Confess. Believe. Be born again. God will help you. I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed. We serve a good God tonight. He loves us so very much. And uh, I just want to take a moment, take an opportunity here tonight to help us. Listen, if you're in this place and, and sin has gotten around you, you don't have to worry tonight. You really don't have to worry because the Word of God is here to help you. The Word of God tells us what is right and what is wrong. It tells us the difference between the truth and lies. And sin is a lie. It's a shortcut. It's something that pleases us, our flesh. And it leads to death. 